Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Good morning, Hope Elam. It is so good to see you again. I want to welcome you, uh, those of you that are worshiping online with us this weekend, and also any friends or uh, visitors, relatives that are with us in town for this holiday weekend. It is so good to have you here with us. It's good to be the church. It's good to be family. Amen? One of the things that we say around uh, Hope Elam and really around all of our campuses a lot is what you heard uh, Mike and Pastor Michael say at the beginning of the service, and that's we believe it is no accident that you are here and we have been praying for you. Now, some of you might uh, wonder, why, why do they say that? Is, is that true? Well, it is. We absolutely have been praying for you, and at all of our campuses, we expect new people every single week. That's just something that we do. And so we pray as a staff and as leaders for you and for these seats that you're going to be sitting in and for those of you online every single week. And the second reason that we say that, that it's no accident that you are here. And for some of you, this is your first time. And I want to just say that to you this morning. It is no accident that you're here because every single one of us has a story. Elijah has a story now, when he almost lit the place on fire with his baptism candle. So every single one of us has a story that we remember, and the reason for that, there's a reason that you're sitting in that seat this morning. Every single one of us remembers that moment when somebody invited you or you came to worship for the first time. It's no accident that you're here because chances are you're sitting next to somebody this morning that invited you. You're here because somebody at some place a long, long time ago said, hey, come and see about a man named Jesus. Amen? Somebody said, I, I want to share this good news with you. I, I, I want to I invite you to worship. I want you to come check out my church. Whatever that might be is the reason that you are here. It's the reason that you heard it talked about in that opening video, the power of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. It literally means good news or the greatest news that you could ever hear. And I was just thinking about it. The last couple weeks have been heavy. It's been a heavy last, well, couple years, couple centuries uh, in, in, our, in our nation, in our world, but particularly the last couple of weeks have felt heavy in our nation, in our world, and here as a church family as we've lost some loved ones along the way as well, and we are in the middle of a heavy time. There's a lot of bad news in the world around us, and so I thought, well, maybe we could use some good news this morning, and I just want to ask you, what's the best news you've heard recently? Think about that. What is the best news? What's, what's the best news somebody has told you? What's something that's happened to you? Maybe something uh, one of your kids is excelling or brought home a, a great paper from school or you got a promotion or you finally got the job that you wanted, a marriage, an engagement or something like that. Speaking of good news, how about Friday night and some good news coming out of Waukee Stadium, the Roosevelt Rough Riders bringing it home. How about that? Holy smokes. I, now, our children are future Rough Riders, and they go to bed before the game starts, and so we watched it uh, on TV as well. But a little shout-out for the city schools this morning, breaking a 13-year streak against the suburban schools. We love all of you, right? We love everybody at Hope Elam, even if you come from the suburbs, but it just kind of felt fun to stick it a little bit uh, this week. And 
in, in, in good fun with that. I wonder what's the best news you've heard recently, just to kind of get the blood flowing this morning in case you're not awake, which I don't know why you wouldn't be if you're at the 11 o'clock service. Turn to the people that are around you, maybe not the person you know, okay? I kind of, I know, I'm an introvert too. You're like, are you seriously going to make me do this? Yes, you're in church, get over it, okay? I want you to find somebody around you and tell them the best news you've heard recently. Something that happened to you, something you've heard, turn around, meet somebody new, tell them the best news that's happened to you. Ready? Go for it. This is for everybody. Go for it. All right, we're a little chatty at 11 o'clock. That's okay. You can keep those conversations going at 11 o'clock. There's a lot of good news. There's a lot to celebrate, and good news is meant to be shared. Amen? You think about it, if you, if you, I remember when my wife and I got engaged, we had like a seven-point marketing plan uh, laid out that took us into the wee hours of the morning because we wouldn't, could, we couldn't wait to share the good news. When good things happen to you, you want to share them. And why would that be any different with the greatest news of all time? And that is the fact that God loves you. He loves you with a force that is stronger than any force in this universe, stronger than COVID, stronger than cancer, stronger than natural disaster, stronger than sin and death. God loves you, and he is for you this morning. Amen? That is the greatest news that you will ever hear. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. We're going to spend just a little bit of time in Romans chapter 10. Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, and he's encouraging these new believers to not just hear and consume the good news, but to share their faith, which is what we're going to talk about today. And Paul says this, how can they believe if they have not heard? How can they hear without somebody preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, let's read the last half of verse 15, nice and loud together up here on the screen. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Do you remember when you heard the gospel for the first time? Do you, do you remember when and where you were, maybe a, a mission trip or a youth group or a Bible study or a friend told you or uh, somebody invited you to worship, whatever that was, do you remember how good that sounded? When faith first became real to you, when you had that aha moment and God opened up your heart and you let it all the way in? I'm not talking about thinking about Jesus. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about when God's love became real to you. Because I think somewhere along the line, we have no problem sharing about all these things that maybe you just shared about all this good news. And sometimes we just kind of get in this routine and these habits and these patterns and we go through the motions and we come and we sit in our seat for an hour a week and it's just kind of, I don't know, the good news has become okay news or mediocre news. And we've reduced Christianity to a set of rules or doctrines or principles. Do you remember when Jesus grabbed hold of you? Do you remember that moment when it was so real for you? Jesus wants to light the fire in your hearts again today. But I, have a, I just have a feeling this morning as we talk about sharing the good news or this fancy church word that we use for it called evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. That is a big word that has a lot of baggage attached to it. But the root of that word evangelism literally means good news. It comes from this Greek word ewangelion. Literally means the good news or a good news messenger. But I think if we're honest, that word has a lot of baggage on it. If I said, hey, just a show of hands, after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to go evangelize and go knocking door-to-door uh, -door around the neighborhood after church day. Who's with me? Anybody? That's what I thought. Crickets, right? It looks and has a lot of baggage to it when we say that together. And that's because I think a lot of us, when we hear that, oh, sharing your faith, we automatically go to those myths and assumptions. I'm sure that that's just going to be me 
beating somebody over the head with my Bible. It's going to come off as judgmental or hypocritical. Or the other kind of extreme we go to is, I don't want to lose a friend. I don't want to make it awkward with my coworker or my neighbor. And so I'm not going to bring that up because I don't want to lose a friend. And we count the cost to that. And I wonder, what if there was a different way? There's got to be something more to that because that's not what we see in the early church. And we see in the early church and the early followers of Jesus, they could not help but speak about what they had seen and heard. And if we're going to be a church that looks like Jesus Christ, that looks like the early church and what he designed the church to be, we are going to be a church of radical invitation. Amen? Of radical invitation. Pastor Hurst and both of I have used this phrase, each one reach one. What if, let me just throw this out there. What if instead of being so freaked out and fearful about sharing your faith, what if our vision as a church, what if the very heartbeat of Hope Elam was that every time you come to worship and you walk back out those doors into your week, who's, the, the first thing on your mind is, who am I going to reach this week? Each one, reach one. Not as some weird optional thing. You know, there's those Christians that are kind of weird and wild and crazy that share their faith. But I'm not one of those Christians. I just kind of come and participate and consume this service. But I'm not going to actually, like, tell anybody about it. It flies in the face of everything we just talked about. Good news is meant to be shared. And if we're going to be a church that fulfills our mission of reaching the world around us and sharing the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, it's not going to happen unless somebody tells them. Paul says, how will they know unless somebody preaches to them? You ask, how many preachers does this church have? Not two, 700. That's you. You are the carriers of the good news. It's not on us. It's on all of us to share that good news. You are the best sermon that most people are ever going to see or hear. Because you're out there and you can do things that even Pastor Hurst and I can't do from this stage. You are rubbing shoulders with people all week long. There are tens and thousands of people in the greater Des Moines metro area that don't know about Jesus and don't have a church home. And until that is no longer the case, our mission is not done as a church. Amen? That's who God has called us to be. If you're wondering what Hope Elam is all about, that's it. There's got to be a different way. And praise God, the Gospels model for us a different way of sharing our faith. If you've got your Bibles, flip back to the Gospel of John. If you're new to the Bible, there are Bibles in the back. I forget to say this all the time. On the bookshelves, those are for you. We restock those shelves every week because Bibles go missing. And that's good. We want you to take them. They're free. Those are for you. So if you're new to reading the Bible this morning, welcome. If you can't remember the last time you opened up the Bible, welcome. If you have no idea where the Gospel of John is, welcome. All right? It's going to be in the back fourth of your Bible, and the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those four books tell the story of Jesus' time on earth. So in John chapter 1, Jesus is calling the early disciples. And there's this man named John the Baptist, and some people start leaving him and start following Jesus. And rightly so, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we pick up the story in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. Now get this, verse 41. The first thing, everybody say the first thing. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Notice it says first thing. Everybody say first thing. Not when he got his life all together, not when his schedule lined up perfectly, not when he got his theology all straight. The first thing. There was something about experiencing and meeting Jesus that made you want to share. You could not keep this good news to yourself. 
he found his brother and says, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. We will not fulfill our mission as a church if sharing our faith is optional. If it's something for those Christians or the weird and wild and crazy Christians. But the reality is I get it. And I want to shoot straight with you this morning. There are some barriers that come up when we're called to share our faith to invite somebody to worship. There's some barriers I think that we all face. And the first one I just want to say is simply this. Sometimes we struggle with, is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's the same thing we struggle with. Am I going to, am I going to come to worship this week? Am I going to tune in online? Am I going to join us? Am, am I going to be a part of a church? There are so many things that have been done wrong by the church, the in, institution of the church. And a lot of people out there say, I don't want anything to do with that, to be honest. And the perception is that if I'm inviting somebody to church, the perception out there to think like somebody that's out there, they would say, I don't want to go to one more place and listen to some guy stand on a stage for an hour and give me more things to feel guilty about. And sadly, that's a lot of people's perception of Christianity. Maybe that's yours. Maybe you've been away from church for a long time. And I don't need to go to one more Bible study or small group or church service and have somebody give me more things to feel guilty about. I wonder if we forgot what we're inviting people into. When these early followers of Jesus saw the Messiah, something rose up inside of them that said, this is who I've been waiting for my entire life. There is something that is going to satisfy my soul about this man. And I'm going to leave everything behind and I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to completely reorient my life around his. And it's not going to change my life for an hour on Sunday morning. It's going to change everything. And I'm going to experience the love and the joy and the peace that my soul has been craving. And somehow that got translated to, should I go and sit in a pew for an hour once a week or not? Somewhere along the line, we've missed it, and we've forgotten what's so good about the good news. Sometimes when people are asking about the church, and hey, what are things like over at Hope Elam, and what's, what's going on over there, instead of debating them and trying to convince them to come, you know what I do, and what I would encourage you to do, is to tell stories. Every single one of you has a story. Do you want to know why Jesus told so many parables? Because parables are stories and stories cut to the heart stories of the language of the heart and so I just tell start telling people about stories of people's lives that have been changed in our congregation I leave the rest up to the Holy Spirit you don't need to be the junior varsity Holy Spirit he does a really good job just by himself okay it's God's job to judge it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and it's our job to love amen and that's what we've been called to do and because of that I just start telling stories I start telling stories about the young couple that their marriage was on the rocks and God brought it back to life and the Holy Spirit breathed new life back into it and they're thriving today. About the addict who's been coming to our support groups who is now sober and healthy. About the young couple that tragically lost a baby in the third trimester and yet their small group because they were connected in community they didn't isolate and when they were in pain they didn't run away from the church they ran towards the church and towards community and they were loved through that difficult time. Every single one of us has a story. It might not feel like it's headline news, but every single one of us has a story. Nothing forced. Just come and see. Come and see because the common factor in every single one of those stories is a healer, is a miracle worker, and his name is Jesus. Come and see. 
And so maybe you're like, John, I get that, and I, I believe that it's worth it. I get that in my head and my heart. But the big barrier for me to sharing my faith with others, you might say, is, well, I, I just don't have time. I, I got a busy schedule. We're, we're headed into the fall. I got to shuttle the kids around. I've, I've got a busy schedule of work. I, I can't fit that in. And that's going to be our mindset as long as we believe that faith is just going the direction you're going and then tacking Jesus on the side. Oh, yeah, I'll see if I can work it into my schedule at 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon to evangelize. We've already lost our way. Does it ooze out of you? Is it who you are? Is this the greatest news that you've ever heard? And I've got really good news for you. Jesus is inviting you to do this in all of life. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is giving the Great Commission, and he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Everybody say, Go. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say, Go. That word go, sometimes the Greek verbs and the English verbs translate a little bit differently. And there's some Greek verbs that don't line up with our past, present, future tenses. And so there's this verb go. When Jesus says go, it's a little bit different. It's poor euthentis. And that literally means, scholars will say, having gone or this ongoing going or literally translated in your going. So for Jesus, go and make disciples is not here's where you are, and now you can start doing this, Jesus is assuming that we are already rubbing shoulders with people that don't know, that are not disciples. And I'll be Captain Obvious for a second. It's really hard to make disciples when you're only hanging out with disciples. How many friends do you have that vote differently than you? How many friends do you have that don't care about church one iota? How many friends do you have that are a completely different religion than you? I challenge you. Be friends with them and not acquaintances so that you can fix them. Be friends with them. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is assuming that we're already in, our, in the ins and outs of day-to-day -day life, that we're rubbing shoulders with people in the everyday rhythms of life. God always has a sense of humor, and he knew I was going to preach about this this weekend. And two different instances happened um, to me this last weekend. There's a gentleman in our community that told me this story. Him and his wife just moved here from Texas. They were at the last service, and he told me this story. They've only been in Des Moines for a couple months. And in the first week that he moved back here, he was in an auto parts store somewhere in the metro area. And he got to talking to this guy, and he said, we're new to town. And the guy at the auto parts store, who happens to be from Hope Elam, we're big in the auto parts stores. And he says, hey, do you have a church home? And the guy kind of went, I wasn't really thinking about it. He said, well, no. Do you know any good ones? And I'm glad it didn't end there, okay? Talk about the Holy Spirit teeing, teeing one up for you, okay? This is easy. This is a softball, okay? It's right there for you. And he says, yes, we go to Hope Elam. And the guy says, is it any good? And I was like, you better. Uh, he said, yeah, it's fantastic. We're not perfect, but we're learning how to follow Jesus, and it's great, and anybody's welcome. You should come check it out sometime. That man and his wife have been sitting right back there at the first service for the last two months. They're signed up. Yep. They're signed up for the new member class, and they're taking our alpha course that starts in a couple weeks. Praise God for car parts dealers, okay? So in your going, my wife and I are having um, dinner at the university library cafe which is not a library but we like to support our local restaurants and we were there the other night and we were hanging out and you have to understand the difference between my wife and I when we go out for dinner I'm an introvert I don't want to talk to anybody and I want to have my burger and fries in peace she on the other hand is looking for every opportunity to talk to anybody with a pulse 
within a mile radius of where we're sitting for date night. And so we're there and we're hanging out and we get to talking with our waiter. And I'm kind of like, okay, where is this going? And she starts talking with him and she says, do you work here uh, full time? And he says, no, this is just uh, kind of nights and weekends that I do this. My full time job is at Mercy Hospital here in town. And so our hearts just start going, oh, wow, you've had an incredible Dif- incredibly difficult last couple of years, and he says, we, what do you do at Mercy? And he says, I'm a, a patient advocate of sorts. I'm probably butchering that name, but he said, essentially, I sit with people that are dying. And I sit with the loved ones of people that are dying, and through all the COVID protocols, I sit with people who can't be with their parents or their kids or that are terminally ill or facing a major, major surgery, and I literally just sit and hold babies or hold hands and cry with people. Okay, that's great. Well, back to our drink uh, order then, right? You can't, and so my wife literally does not stop making eye contact with him, and she says, he starts to get emotional, and she says, wow, that must be really hard. That's it. No theological speaks, no big evangelist. She said, wow, that must be really hard. And he starts to weep, holding four beers that are going to the next table. And he starts to weep in the middle of his shift and says, wow, thank you for saying that. Most people, when I tell them what I do, they just kind of duck away. He said, it has been a really hard last couple years. And he said, it's really hard for me when I just held the hand of somebody that died and I came here and then somebody's complaining they didn't get an extra olive in their drink. It puts everything in perspective. And my wife, in all of her extrovertedness, praise God, I'm like, oh, man, okay. She says, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. God must really be using you in in powerful ways. And the very next words out of his mouth, hey, do you guys go to a church anywhere? And I'm like, here we go. The train has left the station. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany, right? I'm I'm not a car part salesman anymore, I guess. I guess we're going to go there now. And she just comes right out and says, yep, we work at the church, and my husband right here, he's the pastor. Like, okay, now I have to behave the rest of the night, right? (laughs) And yep, Hope Elam, yeah, we welcome everybody, and you can come, and it doesn't matter who you are, and you're welcome. He says, that sounds like a really cool church. I might check that out. And I just look at my wife, and she goes, boom, like that, you know. (laughs) She's just so good at stuff like that. Yeah, I would have missed it. I think most of the things that we see as interruptions in our lives are actually divine appointments from God. And we miss them. Amen? And we miss them. Natural, simple things. And I was just thinking this week, what if Christians, what if Christians were known more for our mercy than winning arguments? I've seldom seen anybody argued into the faith. I think, into the faith, I, I think the world that we live in, I think people are desperate for mercy and compassion. And far too often Christians are known for being judgmental and bigoted and hateful. And what our waiter needed that night was some mercy and compassion. And lo and behold, that it might come from Christians. Imperfect Christians at that but that's what he needed. Maybe it's not about having time. Maybe it's about opening up your heart to God and seeing in your going how God might want to use you. And other people might say, John, that's not so much it. It's my struggle when I'm sharing my faith. It's it's not that. It's not having time. I just, what would I say? And along those same lines, I, I don't think that people out in the world today that don't want anything to do with Jesus or the church, I don't think they're looking for a well rehearsed speech. I think they're looking for you to be yourself. 
I think they're looking for you to be real and authentic. And I think they're looking to be blessed. Like I said, show of hands, who wants to go evangelize? Probably nobody, right? But if I said after this service, my challenge to you is to go and be a blessing to somebody in your life this week, I think we'd have a lot more hands go up. Oh, I can do that. And so I want to just walk you through something very, very quick that's been very helpful for me. We use it as a family, and maybe you've heard it before, but it's just an acronym. It literally says, bless. In in Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, you will be blessed to be a blessing. This is who we are as God's people. We are called to bless, not to fix people, not to judge people, but to bless our neighbors, to love our neighbors as ourself. And it's just an acronym, B-L-E-S-S, bless. Everybody say bless. What would it look like if you did one of these a day or one of these a week? The B literally stands for begin with prayer. We can't change anybody. God is the only one that can change a human heart. And so the very first thing that we do, and my challenge to you, my I dare you to pray this prayer, Jesus, would you come and interrupt my day? Would you come and interrupt my day? Who knows if your interruption might be the most important part of your day? God, put, put people and circumstances in front of me, but that all starts with prayer, to get your heart in the right place. Begin with prayer. The L is listen. Everybody say listen. We're not very good at this, especially as Christians. We're known more for what we say than what we... What if Christians were known as the best listeners? I, I may not agree with you, and I don't want to go to your church, but man, you listen as if to understand. And somebody, somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody listened to you, and it was powerful, that they made you feel loved. The story goes that the gentleman that invented the stethoscope, you know, that doctors and nurses use, he said he was teaching his students, and he said, if you use the stethoscope correctly, listen to your patients, and they will tell you how to heal them. I had a gentleman come up that his wife is a physician here in town, and he said, did you, after the first service, and he said, do you know that doctors still teach this, and not, not many new um, doctors and and nurses do this, but if you use that for 45 seconds, if you would just wait medical students and slow down and use it for 45 seconds, you can often find the diagnosis of what you need to do. But we're so busy that we don't slow down and listen. What if the family and friends that you're trying to reach and share your faith aren't really interested so much in what you have to say, but do you care enough to listen? Love cannot be rushed. Listen to the people around you. That's L. The E is my favorite one, and that's eat. Everybody loves to eat. And why do we eat with people? Because Jesus did all the time. And eating slows you down, and eating breaks down barriers, all the barriers that we set up because everybody's got to eat. It's the great equalizer, and it's fun. And even during COVID, do it in your backyard. Invite people over. Eat. Your first invitation to somebody might be to a barbecue in your backyard instead of worship. Be normal. Invite them. Be a friend to them. The first S is serve. Everybody say serve. Serve. Rarely have I seen anybody argue with you when you're serving them. Oh, I just hate it how much you serve me. Oh, I just get so frustrated with your love and your compassion for me. I just want to debate you all day long, right? But what are we known for as Christians? Are you on the right? Are you on the left? And I'm going to point the finger of judgment at you. I'm going to rip you a new one on my Facebook page. Or we could just grab a towel and a basin and be like our Savior and start serving the world around us. It it breaks down barriers. And if you listen to people, you will know how to serve them. You will know what the good news looks like for them. Are they lonely? Are they lost? Are they hurting? Are they afraid? Are they hungry? Maybe we should spend a little bit more time as a church listening so that we know how to bless people. 
so we know how to serve people. And the last S is story. Everybody say story. You have a story, I have a story, and every single person that you're reaching out to has a story. And at some point, the Holy Spirit's going to open a door for them to share theirs and for you to share yours. And then you get to say, come see and hear about a man named Jesus. I want, to in, I want to invite you to come and see and hear about this man, this Savior that has changed my life. Here's my challenge for you. We do this as a family, and you can do it with your kids. Who are you going to bless today? Who did you bless today at school? Who are you going to bless today at work? Which neighbor are you going to bless today? Do one a day. Do one a week. That's my challenge to you. And just watch how the Holy Spirit opens up doors. Because at the end of the day, the question is being asked, what kind of a church are we going to be? And there's a lot of you that are new. And every week we have new people, and praise God for that. And people are asking every single week, what is this Hope Elam all about? What kind of a church are you going to be about? Are, are we going to be a church that builds up walls and barriers like the rest of the world is doing, and we're going to be focused more on who's in and who's out? We're going to be focused more of a church of who we're against than who we're for? Or are we going to dig some wells and set up less fences? Some of you have maybe heard this story before, but I think it just cuts right to the heart of who we're called to be as a church. I think we're called to be, or blessed to be a blessing. We're called to dig some wells. There was a uh, tourist that went to Australia, and he was on an Australian cattle ranch. And the way that they herd their cattle in Australia is different. He noticed for miles upon miles, there was cattle all over the place, but no fences. There, there, there's, no, there's no fences. And so he asked the rancher, how in the world do you keep all the cattle together? Do you have to herd them? Are you out here all the time? How do they not get lost? How do they not wander away? Why don't you have any fences? And the cattle rancher says, oh, that's no problem. Here we dig wells instead of building fences. You see, the rancher said, there is no need to fence in cattle when they are highly motivated to stay within the range of water, their most important source of life. More wells, less fences, Hope Elam. More wells, less fences. There is no wonder that in John chapter 4, that we looked at a couple weeks ago, Jesus is there with the Samaritan woman at a well and says, I am the living water. And that's what we're about as a church, and that's what we're going to continue to be about, is to dig more and more wells so that people can experience the living water of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's who we are as a church. More wells. More wells, less fences, because our world likes to put up plenty of fences. And are you left or you right? Are you Republican or Democrat? Are you rich or you poor? Are you city or sub? Are you black or you brown or you white? And the world puts up plenty of fences, and Jesus is here to tear them all down and says, meet me at the well, because there's tens and thousands of people in the greater Des Moines metro area that are dying of thirst. They're dying of thirst, and we know the source, and we're worried about who's in and who's out and putting up all these barriers and fences. Jesus hands you a shovel this morning, Hope Elam, and says, let's dig some wells, amen? Let's be that kind of a church. Let's dig some wells in the name of Jesus, and that's what we're doing. Whether it's Genesis Youth Foundation or uh, uh, Joshua Christian Academy or F Fellowship of Christian Athletes or our preschool, all within our building, all the nonprofits and faith-based organizations, our children's programs, our student programs, our adult programs, whatever it might be, God is calling us to build more and more wells so that people can experience the life-giving water and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about as a church. But I didn't want you to just hear it from me because there's way more going on than just that I lead or am in charge of. There are some awesome leaders in this community that are literally digging wells and coming up with new and innovative ministries to reach new people for Jesus Christ. And so I want to welcome out uh, Isaac Rodriguez and Chris Kimston from our staff here at Hope Elam. Welcome them out. You guys.
I love just saying people's names and then poof, they magically appear from backstage. It's, it's amazing. Thank you, guys. Uh, you, we can be friends. You can come on over. There we go. Awesome. So these are my good friends, Chris and uh, Isaac, and they lead uh, a variety of ministries uh, within kind of our, our Hope Network uh, as well. But I wanted you guys to just briefly introduce yourself. Uh, we're talking about um, less fences and more wells today, and you guys are doing that in a lot of different ways. But just share with us really briefly, Chris and Isaac, introduce yourself and some things that you're involved with. Cool. So my name is Chris Kimston. I'm a minister here on staff at Hope Elam. And uh, I help with a lot of our neighborhood outreach, missions partners, a lot of the things that John has mentioned, and then as well as uh, doing our young adult ministry, which uh, takes part of Revive, which is yep. our ministry for uh, folks in their 20s and their 30s. And then also uh, something that started new for our campus this last year was Kairos, yes. uh, which you don't really think of... Uh, of Des Moines as a college town, but we got um, several uh, yes. world-class colleges and universities yep. uh, just right here in Des Moines. And so we just started uh, just this last year and kicked off last week yep. our very first gathering of college students. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. God. And it was that. really fun. So for the college students in the room, I've met several <laughs> groups of, fo of folks who just moved in across the street. They're like, yes. what is this place? Uh, Thursday nights at 7, right here. So Awesome. Yeah. Nice little shameless plug. That was good. I like how you snicked that in. Is yeah. <laughs> Isaac, introduce yourself, man. Um, I'm Isaac Rodriguez. Um, I'm the Multicultural Minister Coordinator at Lutheran Church of Hope West Des Moines. Uh, my work is right now to develop what is going to look for the, to hope to have a Hispanic ministry in each single campus. Yes. Um, so that's my job right now. I'm also was back there on the keys. That's right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I, was, <laughs> I was playing. So I'm, um, I'm also involved with music and sports ministry at Hope West Moines. But my main job right now is to develop and create what is going to look for a Hispanic ministry to be happening here at Hope West awesome. Moines. And Hope Ilham, Hope Waukee, Graham Everywhere. So, that's right. Yes. A very accomplished piano player who is rocking out back there, by the way, and having a lot of fun. Um, Chris, Isaac, one of the things that both of you guys have in common is that you're involved with our college ministry, Kairos, as you mentioned, Chris. Um, uh, Isaac Moore up at Hope Ames. And Chris, of course, right here in Des Moines. There's a lot of people here today that are not in college uh, and might be wondering, why does this matter? Why, why is this such a big deal at all of our campuses? Um, and, and a lot of people, I think, struggle with that. So could you shed some light on why is that a well <laughs> that we believe is so important for that season of life? Absolutely. So uh, the, the, the term you use, season of life, is really important because one of the things that we have a lot of different types of is contextual ministry, right? Like we all want to be able to gather here as one family, right. as God's family here, uh, worship on Sunday. But one of the things that uh, we have a lot in men's, men's ministry, women's ministry, um, you have, we've had marriage nights. We've yep. had all these different circumstances where you're getting somebody from their context yep. and then doing ministry and, and just having them have community together. Right. And uh, it's easy to kind of skip past the age-based stuff because we think of them as just these steps along <laughs> alongside kind of right. the road of life. Uh, if you've been a college student or a high school student or whatever, and you go through that stage of life and you're like, oh yeah, that's cute. I remember when I first moved away from my parents, but right. I'm on to much bigger, you know, adult <laughs> things now. Right. And a lot of the time what we, what we skip over are that these college students that we're talking to are dealing, whether they want to admit it or not, yep. are dealing with with really hard questions around identity. Who am I if I'm not living with my parents? What is my faith if I've never 
actually, you know, dissected it for myself. I've just been yep. given it to, to it from my parents, which yep. is great, but now they have to claim it for themselves. There are yeah. these big, big questions that students are asking that while they might get addressed here, um, it, it really helps to get people in that same stage of life together so we can worship, so we can ask questions appropriate to their circumstance and, and really dig into those questions as we, as we seek to uh, kind of build that uh, confidence and, and build that kind of foundation of faith for them as they discover who they are in the adult world. Right. And one of the cool things that's happened over the summer is we've uh, developed this partnership here in Des Moines with Grandview University. A little shout out to, to Isaac's alma mater there. But Grandview is literally doing Kairos on their campus and bringing students here on Thursday nights uh, as well. So we're really excited uh, about that. Speaking of Grandview uh, and other campuses, Isaac's been involved with Kairos up at Ames. Tell us a little bit about what, where you've seen God at work in Kairos in Ames. Well, uh, to start off, uh, this uh, few weeks ago, uh, we did the Campanile service, and it yeah. was almost close to a thousand students who renewed uh, at, at the Campanile. A so thousand students on campus. Wow! Students. Praise God! That's yeah, praise awesome. Praise God for that. Yeah. So cool. So I've yep. been involved in Kairos Ames um, yep. a lot with music. Yep. I, I play a lot of keys. I go there. But the reason why I go up there and I make a drive all the way here from Des Moines to there, I went to Grandview. And yep. it's so amazing to see that Kairos is going to be happening there. Yep. What is it's also happening here yep. uh, to direct students. So uh, I've been involved with Kairos because I feel like students are in need. Uh, a lot yep. of students, they, uh, you know, they, they, they have, you know, Depression. They have, yep. you know, so many classes. Uh, like, you know, like yeah. Chris say, yeah. a lot of students like um, they just don't know what to do with life, and they get yep. to students they far from family. I'm from the Dominican Republic, and so yep. I truly understand when your family is like seven thousand miles away, it yep. gets hard, it gets tough, and so you find a space that you, as a student, you can go there with people like you, and you can feel identified. You can lead, you know, you can leave all your problems outside of doors and worship together with group of people who look like you. Yep. It's many places that you can be on a Thursday or a Wednesday afternoon, yep. um, but when you take a decision and say, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to take at least one day of my week, and I'm going to, you know, go worship and get close to God and get connected with God. For me, that's the most uh, wonderful thing that any student can can do because I did it and it yes. worked for me and it can work for you too. So that's, Amen. it's been so impactful for me to be able to go there and just watch hundreds and hundreds of students who are worshiping together in the midst yeah. of everything. So That's so awesome. And college ministry is not the only thing that you're involved with too, Isaac. You mentioned our, mentioned our uh, emerging Latino ministry. And there's groups of people in the greater Des Moines area that people just kind of forget about if you're not living with that intentionality of I'm going to go and make disciples. I'm going to reach out to people that are not like me. And being from the Dominican Republic, you have a very unique perspective on that being here. See, I always thought you were from Iowa, but I was mistaken, but I'm just kidding. Um, tell us about that ministry and why we talk about digging more wells so people can experience Jesus. Why does that ministry for our Latino brothers and sisters, why does that matter? Um, it matters because at the end of the day, our goal is to make heaven more crowded. Yep. And how, how can we make heaven more crowded? So it's a, it, you know, the, the reason why I took this position, the reason why I have this calling is because when I first played at Hope West Moines many years ago, a few years ago, um, I invited a few of my friends for Grandview. And I yep. told them, you know, let's, let's go. I'm playing, you know, come see. <laughs> and one of them, it touched me because he told me I love the church, but I didn't understand anything. And that's when the yeah. moment I said, well, somebody needs to do something to this community, like, looks like me. They are like me. 
can get can feel that connection, that relationship. And, yes. the, and so the reason why we're doing this is because a lot of people tend to put the Hispanic as a minority and only as a laborer, and right. you don't have a word, and you know, and I've been there, and yep. I know what it feels, um, but I just want to let people who are like me, Hispanic, that, hey, we love you, and because we love you, we want to yes. get close to you, we want to meet you where you at, we yep. want to fill your needs, and we want you to worship. And so we're gonna do many things like having worship in Spanish and having all these things, and just to have Hispanics to hey, we want to make a relationship, a connection with you, and we want to do everything to that way. You know, that is not a language barrier, and you're yep. not a, like a minority. You are the same like somebody who's from here or somebody who's from Japan or whatever. Yep. Like we all the same. So it's not a barrier. So that's the reason why I'm doing this. That's for awesome. this in my community. Yeah. And what I love about what Isaac and his team are doing is there's an existing Latino speaking, Spanish speaking church uh, of Latinos from a variety of countries that was already meeting. They needed a place to meet, and so they're meeting on Sunday nights uh, in the chapel. Uh, nothing to do with hope. Our name's not on it at all. It doesn't need to be on it because it's about the kingdom, and so we're growing Latino ministry that way, which is so cool. So I love what you guys are doing. Uh, Chris, I wanted to just speak to, lastly here, there is a well <laughs> that uh, all of our campuses are, are doing, particularly here at Hope, Hope Elam, has been unique over the last year, and that's online. A lot of people think, well, maybe this is kind of, it's a, maybe a second-rate experience. There are hundreds of people that are doing church with us right now that are worshiping with us uh, online because of that. Where, where, Chris, have you seen God at work as you've been behind the scenes working a lot with our online ministries? Where have you seen God at work? For that? sure. So uh, a lot of the online stuff, we had never uh, done a, a service streamed from here before yes. COVID. Yep. And we had never really experienced that. And, and of course, you know, sometimes uh, online stuff is relegated to, well, student ministry will do that. Right. Right. Like, we'll get the yeah. young people to, like, <laughs> to, to do that specific thing. But the thing that's been uh, incredible to see amidst the terrible circumstances of COVID, yep. something that is great that we have seen come out of it are people using social media for the real reason why social media exists, actually yep. connecting to other people yes. that they can't be with physically. Yep. And um, I know there are people watching right now and listening mm -hmm. right now um, or listening right now sometime in the future with the podcast. You know, yep. there's a bunch of different ways that we're reaching out and talking to you. And if you can hear my voice and you're not in the building for a second, please know that we do not view you as someone else other than in this room. Yep. You are just as much a part of the church. And absolutely. absolutely. Well, and it's, yep. if yep. we are not, mm. if we just want you to know that we do not see you as separate. And even if this is just a chance that you've taken of going like, listen, I'm, I'm going to check this out online before I'm actually going to take, <laughs> take this step to, to, to come in some weird church building I've never been in. Um, we really truly believe that you are here worshiping with us. And so I just think that that's an important thing that we need to keep in mind as we engage online. Uh, yep. that, that Hope Elam uh, comment that comes through every once in a while, yes. the links, that's put in by a person who is praying <laughs> for you online. That's not some artificial intelligence. We have people here that are intentionally praying for you. 
Yes. Whether that's social media, whether that's online, uh, uh, so many of us uh, get really high and mighty about how big our God is. And then all of a sudden we feel like God can't move over Wi-Fi. (laughs) Like God can move through Facebook. God can move through uh, online. God can move through all those different things. And so um, we're going to do everything that we can to continue. And people have asked post-COVID, whatever that means. Um, People have asked, are we, are we going to keep streaming services? Are we going to keep trying to do these? Absolutely we are. Yep. Because there were reasons before COVID that people couldn't be here physically. Yep. And there's going to be reasons afterwards. And so we are going to continue to try and give people the best experience we can. That's awesome. One of my favorite stories is a couple months ago, we had a gal that came in. I hadn't met her before. She was getting baptized, just like little Elijah did today. There's a gal in her 20s. And I said, how many times have you been here? She said, I've never physically been in this room before. I've been worshiping online. God's been working on my heart, and we baptized her a few weeks ago. So praise God for that. That's the power. That's the power of what God is doing online. I tell you what, I don't know what you were doing in your 20s, but these guys are amazing young leaders in our community, and I'm so thankful for what they're doing. Praise God. Thank you, guys. You bet. Less fences and more wells. And I don't know about you, but I hope that something rises up in you this morning when you hear these stories. Not a, I could never do that, but a, I could do that. I could step into that. I could be a part of this church. Less fences, more wells. I've been blessed in order to be a blessing. And our deepest prayer for you this morning is that you go from this place that it would be real for you again. That you would remember when you heard that good news again for the first time and that we would be like the early followers of Jesus who say, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Come and see about this man named Jesus that has changed my life. And we get to be a part of that. That's who we are as a church. It's our mission. And God is inviting you along for the ride. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.